Welcome to Raised on D&D Podcast. Twice a month, Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews, tips, and strategies to enhance your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a game master for 30 years and father to three gamers. Here is Nick Cartarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is originally from Chengdu, China. He now resides in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. He is one of the very first people to start dungeon mastering third edition D&D in China. He organized the very first D&D game cluster in Chengdu. Now he is a proud dad of two young and highly inspiring D&D players. He's currently helping his kids develop their own YouTube channel, Dabbing Sausages, by creating short story based videos based on their hobbies. In upcoming episodes, they will be creating some proper D&D content. Please welcome Jindy Ann. Hi, Andy. Hi, Nate. Hi. Thank you very much for inviting me to your show. I'm highly privileged. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show. Well, Andy, before we jump into all the things that you got going on, uh, can you take Mm -hmm. us back to your first experience with tabletop role-playing games in Dungeons and Dragons? Wow. It must be... uh, Well, first of all, thank you very much for... It's a very good question because that immediately dragged me back to my old memories. It was in the year of 2001. Uh, That was the first time when I actually get encountered with the uh, tabletop role-playing. But before that, I've been... uh, quite an old fan um, to the, what we call, in China, we call it a wisdom um, sword and magic fantasy um, games and stories. So I've been playing the old CRPGs such as Borders Gate and uh, Icewind Dale, that type of thing. Uh, I've been reading Dragonlance and I've been reading the uh, Dark Elf um, the Trilogy and all of these things. So all of, uh, I think that was the year of 2000. 2001, uh, when the but it could, there was a game called Neverwinter Night that was released. That was the first game based on on the AD&D uh, third uh, third edition. So that day I went I went to the uh, computer city. I was I went there to buy the uh, game software. Then I ran into a shop. That was the very first bookshop that I saw there selling the hard copy of the D&D rulebooks. So I picked it up and so I asked the owner, I said, what it is? So don't tell me this is what we, because I've heard a lot about AD&D, but that, that was practically the first time I saw the the core books. Actually, I have it still with me nowadays. I even carry it with me to South Africa, you can see. That's the very, very wow. first. Yeah, very first uh, 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 AD&D books in Chinese version, all right. That was introduced to China in the year of 2000 and uh, published by the agency called The Third Wave. So then I, I got my hand immediately on this book and I bought myself the a full set of dice. Um, I still remember this book and that stage cost me like 450 yuan. That is my like my entire monthly expenses for about one and a half months or two months. So, wow. Uh, my girlfriend was asking me, so what's wrong with you? Why, why are you buying these books? And is, <laughs> is, is, is there something really special that you, you're spending all your, uh, all your spending money on that, uh, pocket money on that? So I, I told her, I don't know, but I just 
feel this is the date to some some really imaginative world that could have endless possibility, and that is would be the experience I would never have. You know, I would never have chance to experience before. Although at that stage, my oldest books, the oldest three books, and I didn't even have a single player to play with me. <laughs> so, but I'm thinking, let me have the books and let me read through, understand what is this whole world set up about. Then, at least maybe I can develop my own players. So, you know, automatically my first player popped up. That was my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> So you're playing the video games, you're reading D&D literature like uh, Dragonlance and the Icewind Dale trilogy. Um, and you so you love the setting already. And I and the old Icewind Dale video game. Oh, my goodness. So many hours. So much fun. Oh, I, I would play that this afternoon if I could. It was it's so great. And exactly. And so moving moving forward, you find the books and you don't have anyone to play with. <laughs> They're very, very expensive at the time. Uh, and you're able to, you're, you're like, you know what? It's worth it. I, I don't know why, but I got to have them. And you get exactly. the books. And it, it, it's amazing. So you start, uh, how, how do you transition from, I've got no players. I'm the, the first person in town to have these books. Um, I, my, my girlfriend's gaming with me. How, how does that, how does that expand from there? How do, how do you start getting that first table together? Well, that actually has been quite a journey. Uh, I have to say, uh, it's there was also a time. The timing was right because first of all, I could not get anybody to you know really get even them even interested in the uh, in the D and D game, tabletop game, because at our time and that time. When people talk about Western style fantasy game, the first thing they think about is Diablo 2. <laughs> <laughs> if they have time, they'd rather play with, uh, you know, uh, the year go out goes to play, uh, play basketball or you, they, if they stay in the computer room, they play Counter Strike. So it's mm -hmm. pretty much early 2000, that kind of vibe. But, uh, so to me, it was practically impossible to gather any people. So what I've done is because at that time I started to uh, write uh, fictions uh, to the uh, Chinese fantasy magazine, you know, I started, so I basically started to create my own small fantasy world by using some of the concepts from the uh, master, uh, dungeon master rule book. So by, you know, by you creating that story and the whole setup, then very clearly I started to have a, nice concepts start to shape in my mind because i believe as a dungeon master the first thing the most important thing is you must believe in yourself you must believe in the world that you're going to create because if, if you don't even have a faith in your own world how you're not going to attract any other players <laughs> so that's the first thing how i did it so i start to write some short fictions so some short novels start to uh, publish on uh, I think I started with internet and then started with some hot copies, you know, and then I become slightly well known in the local uh, sci-fi group. So we in China, the sci-fi sci-fi community is quite big. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's very big, and especially Chengdu is like a headquarter of the uh, sci-fi culture, uh, sci-fi community of China. Wow. So I, yeah, so I think, and also another thing happened at the right time. Um, 
I think in the year of 2001, the first episode of Lord of the Rings hit a big screen. Yes. And I'm telling you, that was immediately a big game change. So I get a gather a group of um, friends while we're watching the, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. I said, you, you like this, eh? We can actually do something even more epic if we work together. Do you guys want to give a try? So that's how I ended up, you know, uh, have gathered my very first group. And I still remember giving the only four people, including my girlfriend and that time. And uh, before we, we started, and uh, obviously I've run a couple of solo uh, games with my girlfriend, and I've given her lots of... So if, if judging by D&D rules, it was not a strict D&D game. Mm-hmm. So basically, she was a, she was a warrior, so, uh, she was a fighter, slash sorcerer, slash warlock, slash necromancer. <laughs> so, so, but the most important thing is also for me to get into that kind of vibe. So after that kind of, uh, couple of rounds of pace, uh, testing game, I was telling myself, yes, yes. This is definitely the way to go. And uh, so I brought it to my um, game gamer. And then there we had the first game. So you it was got, an amazing experience. So your friends are are what we would call hardcore science fiction fans. Mm-hmm. They get their first taste of sword and sorcery with the Lord of the Rings. No, nothing says sword and sorcery like J.R.R. Tolkien. So mm-hmm. they get to see that and you go, hey. If you like this, you're going to love Dungeons and Dragons. And, exactly. that, and and that's what it took to get them to say, you know what? We'll give it a try. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Now, fast forwarding, you're a husband and a father. How, how many children do you have, Andy? Uh, I have two children, uh, one boy, one girl. And how old are they? Uh, my boy is 11 this year and my girl will be eight by August. Congratulations. And I have three, mine's uh, 15. She just got her her learner's permit driver's license and just got her first right. job. Um, and then I have a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old. So Andy, your wife, is she the girlfriend from the story? Uh, yes, she's the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she, she knows everything, how I started, you know. Um, we actually, we left China together in the year of 2003 and traveled to South Africa and settled down here. Uh, you know, when we first reside in um, PE, this little city, it's a harbor city uh, by the southeast coast of uh, South Africa. And we didn't really have too much entertainment, you know, as an international student. Uh, your dormitory is quite strong, small, and there's really not too much thing for you to do. So for the first few years, I, I think we spent quite lots, lots of time on D&D. And that has really accompanied the first couple of boring years of our South African life. That is fantastic. And have you been able to find other gamers in the South Africa community to play with? Uh, not at the beginning, to be honest. Mm, because actually, I was also quite surprised. Uh, because when I came to South Africa, I was thinking, okay, uh, you know, South Africa has a very rich uh, European culture uh, influence, and they should be able to find lots of uh, people that are playing the similar game. Then I came here 
it took me about a year or two trying to uh, allocate some people in or in my region. But then I failed. Um, I found some people who can play Magic Gathering with me, can play Yu-Gi-Oh with me. You know, that's fine. We have a quite a nice trading card community. But when it comes to D&D, in the year of 2003, it was very, very small. In the big cities such as Johannesburg and Cape Town, yes, you can find uh, some nice groups. You know, uh, I used to read a report, and um, even in Johannesburg, they even used to have a um, DND, uh, a very big DND conferences. And even Elon Musk used to be, uh, you know, attending one of those short sessions. Oh, and, wow. and that kind of, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. So from, from my side, and because the city that we are residing is a, it's a very, it's a second oldest city of South Africa. So have a very rich Christian entity culture. So you, you know how it works to many of them. You know, when you're talking about dragon, okay, it's you, you're talking about speaking of devil and you will have problem. And uh, <laughs> so to them, many of them, they have been affected quite badly by the old impression from the ND left from the eighties. Because yes. I used to, uh, because I, I started uh, applied sociology. So my basically, uh, you know, my class activity is all about work with team, work with people. So I, I try to bring that game into um, one of our class activity. And then one of my students, uh, no, one of my classmates actually stood up and say, uh, it is a bad game. It's all about violence. And I don't think we should continue things like this. So, you know, speaking without any bias, but the fact is, I I, I couldn't find any uh, nice party in the first couple of years when I resided in South Africa. But wow. things has changed tremendously after uh, the five E has released because the five E and also uh, I have to say uh, the Pathfinder also changed lots of uh, vibes in the gaming community of South Africa. First of the, uh, um, Pathfinder brought up the new generation. When I talk about new generation, it's about, about, let's say, 10 years younger than me, people five or 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they start to get to like DMD, especially, uh, when they play on internet, then they start to seek to play offline with people. So now in PE, we start to have quite some, uh, play groups. And they start to have regular um, DMD sessions like once a week. Uh, from my side, uh, yes, uh, I have two groups that we play with, not regularly because uh, on one group it's um, more advanced player or more experienced player, and on the other hand, they, that's a, that is a new common, and he who just pick up the. Uh, uh, the the whatever the starter kit lost my of Fandover yes yeah see he's just starting with that set and he's DMing and uh, I'm part of his party so for me uh, you know basically I'm joining two kinds of group at the same time and I'm not really DMing for any of them because you wow. know I really like to have that kind of immersive uh, experience with. Yes. Um, each party because I don't get that kind of a chance when I'm running my own parties. I've never had a chance to become a, a, a player since 2001, since the first time I get to start at this game. I've been DMing for <laughs> my, my, almost my whole entire DMD professional life. <laughs> Let me call it this way. So I'm really, really enjoying it, uh, you know, at this stage to be part of the two very different groups. That is fantastic. And I, I know being a forever DM myself, 
um, those those rare moments where I've gotten to play is so nice. Um, my I introduced my brother to Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing games uh, recently uh, during the lockdowns and uh, gaming online with lots of friends. He has really taken off with it. He's really enjoyed it. I've finally got to sit down and play my 13 year old uh, last year. He ran a, a game that he wrote himself and wow. ran for the whole table. And I was able to sit in and game with them for the first time in what felt like forever. So I know that feeling. It's wonderful to to be that dungeon master and be able to just sit back relax and just play that one character and let the story unfold that's that's fantastic exactly when did you decide to introduce your children to tabletop role-playing games and dungeons and dragons okay what i'm going to say may sounds like a evil master plan but i'm still <laughs> going to say it <laughs> okay uh actually i had a plan even before my son was born I was saying to myself, you know, it will be a wonderful, wonderful family activity that we can do together. Because I will plan a few things for me and my wife, you know, what we can do together as a family. Sports-wise, we can do golf together. And when we stay inside and inside a house, you know, I'm not like other traditional Chinese who plays mahjong every single day. So <laughs> I was thinking to, I was, I, I was telling her, if there is one thing that we need to get our whole family sit around a table, it must be tabletop game. Because I also play lots of other board games. But I said to her, the Kronju should be D&D. But obviously, you have to introduce it step by step. The first most important thing is you must make find a way to make sure the kids will be sitting around a table for the next three and four good hours without getting bored. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the plan was there even before they were born, but it, the introduction and the indulgence, uh, you know, it really takes time. Uh, we, it's a, the first time that we uh, actually start to do D&D with the kids, uh, it was February last year. Actually, I was, the first session was not run by me, it was run by my friend, Dion. And Dion is also a follower of your of your podcast, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you! Wow. Yes, yes. Yeah, he is also uh, he is a very very experienced DM uh, in uh, both Pathfinder and also D and D, uh, and he does his own modeling everything. So then he because his son and my son went to the same school. So one day he he's saying, you know, I would really want to run a junior session, and uh, do do you want to, you know? Can we put these two kids together? And you can also jump in as a supporting role because it was the first session. Then I was a little bit hesitant because I didn't know whether my son, you know, was uh, mature enough to handle it. So then we, we gave a try the first session that was Feb 2020. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. I was amazed by how the kids uh, involved with that kind of, you know, uh, uh, experience and interaction. Let me give you, um, give you an example, if I may. You know, my son, the, f the first character he was, pl he played was a ranger. All right. So it was a half elf, half elf ranger. And, um, so when we just leave the capsule, leave the bonfire. So the first thing he, he said is, 
where if you know when a doubt is playing well, a doubt is okay. Let's move. Where where is the next direction? Okay, let's look at map and then we proceed. Maybe we we throw a couple of dice along the way and that's it. But the first thing, the kid, the two kids they discussed, we must not leave the trace for our enemy to find us. So we need to put out a bonfire. You know, as as with adults, we were never thinking about that. And then 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 the the two boys they quickly make up their tactic. Uh, one boy, the other uh, Max. Max, I think Max was a druid, if I remember correctly. Max said, "Okay, so I will, I will walk on the ground and whistling, you know, so I can attract all the unnecessary attention to me." And then my son, then he decided to climb on the tree, jump among the trees, you know, like the uh, like the like Legolas, you know, jumping jumping between the trees. And he said, "Can I sneak in the tree?" So I would be able to pick up all the dangerous signals, you know, with the first sight. And wow. me and him would look at each other. You wouldn't believe it's the first time these two boys are playing D&D together. And it was a first time experience to my son. So after that, I, I told myself, I knew it's ready for him to start to, you know, get into this game. That's amazing. So, so they jumped right so in. They're making strategies. Yeah. They're thinking outside the box. You know, mm-hmm. how do we stay safe? How do we uh, hide our tracks? They're doing all of that from the start, from the very go. Oh. And that's amazing. Exactly. And amazing. It was actually much easier because my, my daughter is, uh, I'm not trying to bluff, but she's really a little genius. Uh, <laughs> she, she is already, she's eight years old, but she is already doing grade five, grade six work. Wow. So, fantastic. so she's that type of girl, you know, she's mm-hmm. not really a Barbie doll girl. That type of <laughs> and so she always wants to challenge. And also, by the way, maybe it has something to do with her Zodiac. She's a, she's a Leo like me. So she's very outgoing, want to always take control and try different new things. So as soon as she saw, um, because the first game we didn't allow her to be part of it, I said to her, maybe you are not, you're still too young. But then she, she kept quiet. She just watched and observed. And then for, from the second, se- uh, in between the sessions, she came to me and she said, Daddy, I think I'm ready to play during the next session. So, wow. <laughs> so it's like automatically you, you, you didn't even ask her, uh, or you didn't even teach her. She just watched, observed, and they made her own decision. So to her, it was quite easy. That is amazing. What would you tell parents out there who want to introduce Dungeons and Dragons to their families? And they're, they're having the same reservations you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I must say as parents, you know, we, we must always have concerns. What passage, what messages that we are trying to convey or what we are hinting to our children, which is normal. Uh, but w- one thing I need to uh, share with all the DMD fans, especially the, um, our friends who are already, you know, having their kids and uh, wanting to um, introduce them to DMD games. The bias does not exist with the game. The bias exists, lies always with yourself in here. You know, it's like, uh, a gun you can use to kill people, you can use to protect your own family. So it's all about how you can use it as a tool. So the very first thing is, you know, drop all the unnecessary bias. But when I say bias, it does not only mean um, criticisms. It also uh, also mean uh, passions 
and loves because I know we all have passion and loves on DMD, but you must not or one must not think this passion and love could be so contagious or contagious that your kids can pick up immediately or automatically because kids are different. Every single kid are different. Maybe it works for our kids and maybe some other kids may pick up things slower, but you, you must just not be panicking, not force things to them, not to make them, to, not to try to, you know, brainwash them to tell them it's a good game. If it is a good game, they will fail because the, they will feel it themselves because the kids, they are extremely smart and sensitive. They don't need to be taught of what is good and what is bad. What you need to do is just lay the ground, lay the platform and give them the spotlight. Let them feel they are, they are not part of the game, but they are directing the game. So if you give them that kind of sense of ownership, immediately you can see that they, they're gonna really get themselves absorbed into the whole setup you're gonna present to them. That's number one. Number two is quite important. I know we all have concerns because DMD is there, there is definitely violence involved and there is definitely, you know, uh, killings involved and uh, some uh, unnecessary dark side of human humanity might be involved. So then it comes quite importantly how you're going to tune down your whole uh, DD setup with the kids. And that is uh, quite a necessary word or it's a must for any parents who wants to start a DD with their kids. And uh, first of all, you know, uh, from my side, I'm just using myself as as an ex, uh, as an example. So I basically eliminate all the unnecessary killings from the game. I'll rather focus more on role playing part of the game. So and when, whenever this is a killing that would be involved, I'll rather um, you know let them to like uh, expel a, a what do you call it like an illusion, mm-hmm. or let them to um, defeat a nightmare, we uh, try, sorry, utmost the best to avoid any killings with blood, mm-hmm. any killings with breaking skulls and bones in my game. So I think that is quite important. Uh, and the second, yeah, sorry. No, that, uh, I just wanted to comment that that's uh, absolutely, I agree with that entirely. There, it's all about how you describe the action as a dungeon master dungeon master a lot of times you have to describe how their um action or their attack uh, how it narrates in the story yeah because on my if i may just add a little bit more on that because in the world what we are in now basically our children are facing now it's too different vastly different comparing to you know the environment the setup that we grew up Mm-hmm. Many things that we thought it was not right or too violent, what whatever to the uh, to us, it may not necessarily uh, still the case, the same case to them, because in many messages, a uh, lot of the messages, information, and they gonna receive it via other channels, no matter what. So the most important thing is, it's not for you to avoid it completely but it, if i may use a lack of for lack of a better term i like to use the uh, word streamline it's all about how you streamline it in the correct manner and then output the information to them so that's that's very important exactly like the examples you gave me just now so my <laughs> yeah 
My second point on the PND with the kids is I always make my game task driven because the kids they can be get they can get lost very easily. Their attention and focus is there for only so many minutes. And if you want this session to be educational, to be more interactive, you must not expect that you give them a sandbox setup and they're gonna discover things by themselves. It's just simply not gonna work. Because I used to uh, run a small session of like uh, a curse of a strut with them. So as soon as they entered into the old village, they just get lost, and you get you were surprised. They spent one hour to chase the dream the old hag who was setting the dream pie. <laughs> they actually bought the dream pie, and I couldn't tell them the dream pie was made with the kids. Okay, <laughs> so 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 they thought it's really dream pie. So they be, they were chasing behind the back of the old hack, and they actually spent. And I didn't want to sell them the pie, so they, no matter what, they just insist on buying. So one, even if I raise the price to, um, uh, to I think thirty thirty some somewhat silver, they still spend the money and bought a dream pie. So after they bought it, they just eat the pie, and then they ask me, "What do I feel?" So what must I say? If even playing with adult player, I would say, okay, you find uh, maybe a small baby finger in the, in the pie, but you can't say that to the kids, right? So then I have to spend a lot of time to describe, you know, you know, like a person in stone, you 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 see the uh, rainbows and uh, you see the unicorns, <laughs> you see the fairies flying with uh, their underwear, you know, swinging their hand, you know, things like that. So. Uh, so that, that, that was a very, it was fun. It was hilarious, but it also told me I'm not going to do it again because if you give a kid a sandbox and your session will be taken away by their exploration and it will be very difficult for you to, for you to drag it back. So when you yes. play with the kids, it's very, very important that you give them very clear goal. We're going to from point A to point B. And if when we go to um, point B, what more or less you will be expecting. So if you don't want to make it too straightforward, you can just do a small trick. Say for instance, I used to when uh, one of the session that we play, uh, they were supposed to escort one um, draw mage um, from uh, from the city to the small town to deliver uh, to deliver some supply. But on the uh, on the halfway and they were ambushed by the driver and then they were captured. By that time they realized the mage that they were escorting actually is a spy of the driver. So that kind of small, you know, dramatic turnaround, it's good enough for their small nerves. To them it's already ah, no <laughs> that's that's good enough. That's good enough. So to me, that's my second suggestion. Always make your task clear enough and make your story task driven for each session. Don't run more than two tasks with the kids and then put small tricks, not too complicated, not overcomplicated things. Let them play the game, but not let the game play with the kids. They will be very sensitive if the DM come out to have that, ah, I will get you there. That kind of attitude, the, the approach, they will, they will, Get it immediately, and if they, the kids raise their alert, the next thing you will see is they will basically refuse to do anything in the game 
they will be so suspicious. They will think every single thing is a trick, is a trap to them. Once they lost that trust with you, with you, not only as a game, the most horrible part to me is they lost trust to me as a dad. <laughs> that will be to me like the end of the world. So yes. that is my sixth suggestion. Fantastic, Andy. Fantastic, and and you're and you're right. Um, my youngest, uh, very very clever, and he he started to notice that he started to notice when I would force or what we call railroading them in a certain direction. And what you would see is him going, hmm, he wants us to go left. So I'm definitely choosing to go right. Um, and uh, and at, at first I didn't notice. I just thought he wasn't getting the hints. And so I'm pushing harder. And now he's resisting even more. And uh, we were playing a game with some friends and their children and we had this nice adventure and you mentioned pathfinder we were using pathfinder at the time and we were using one of the book adventures and we come to a critical moment where they're sneaking up on the bad guys hideout and all the heroes have come up with this great plan and they know what they're going to do and they're going uh they've broken off into two teams and they're stealthily infiltrating the the fortress and my son at the time was playing a goblin bard and so the bard climbs up on a part of the ruined castle wall and he pulls out his drum and starts playing as loud as he can and announcing that they have come to defeat the evil bad guys and everyone's going to die and all these things. And he's doing this and, and the whole table is just, what's happening? Why is this happening? And I, I, I lean over to him and I say, I said, what are you doing? And he says, well, you see, you've got this whole plan of how the story is going to go. And uh, I'm going to mess that up. <laughs> you know and i'm like i'm like oh my goodness and he goes because this is role playing i can do whatever my character wants and i go oh no but it made for a hilarious session um we i skipped right to the big boss pulled him out first um instead of going room to room we just had the big bad guy come out and face them it turned into an epic battle and everyone had yeah. an amazing time so um and and to this day my friends who only got to game a little bit um they still talk about the goblin bard blowing everyone's cover and causing the the uh the frantic chaotic battle that ensued and so um but you're absolutely right had i not pushed had i not railroaded had i not um had i not forced we wouldn't have gotten to that point so um andy what do you guys have planned i know that you made the announcement on the dungeons and dragons 5e Facebook group. Um, you've got Dabbing Sausages uh, YouTube channel in the works, and now you're going to be adding to it D&D content. So well, what, what can we expect to see when, when we subscribe? What kind of uh, videos are, are we going to see from uh, from your home? Oh, thank you very much for raising that question. And uh, 
uh, and uh, I would like to share a little bit more about that channel. Sure. Um, uh, it it was actually their New Year resolution um, <laughs> this new this year. At the beginning, you know, I asked both of them. I said, uh, you know, make a wish, uh, make a resolu- resolution. Let's make it happen this year. Now, both of both of them look at each other because you know my son and daughter they have their own strange vibe together. They hate and love each other. So for that moment, very rarely, I mean, that I can see that they agreed with each other just with a glance, um, you know, just with a glance and they say, we want to become internet celebrity. I said, what? <laughs> I said, what? Uh, uh, Daddy knows quite many things, but uh, I've never <laughs> been able to, you know, think about something like that. And if there's a chance to become an influencer, I would take the chance myself. <laughs> you know, you guys can wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> but then they they quite they're quite you know decisive, and uh, they said, "Daddy, I've thought it uh, very carefully, and we want to do it." And then I said, okay, then what kind of things you want to do? And then they talk about their own plan. Actually, they had a plan together already. They want to develop two programs, one on YouTube, another, uh, at the same program will also be um, broadcast in China. Uh, we also have another platform called BDBD, similar to YouTube. And uh, another, and then they, on TikTok, they want to do short memes. So they actually have their own planning. So I said, okay, when you start, then what, what would be the name called? They said, we want to be called the dabbing sausages. So they drew their logo, showed me it's like two sausages dabbing together, which I turned into the, turned into a logo. And then I said, but then what will be the content? You're not going to play the game and then let people watch you playing game. I said to them, a thousand people are already doing that on the internet. And you don't you use that as an excuse to play game. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to them, I'm not going to fall for that. So I said, uh, then they said, okay, no, 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 we're going to do um, like a short story based on, you know, our imaginative life. Okay, so they started. Now we have already uh, concluded three episodes because they, they're also going to school, so we don't really have too much time to shoot it. Um, <clears throat> but so far, each episode is based on their uh hobby and imagination so like the first uh, first episode it was based on how they cook together the second episode was based on pokemon when they were doing a pokemon on card battle and then the actual team rocket came in to snatch their uh pikachu so they went to fight the uh, uh team rocket then the third episode become chinese kung fu fight because they could not agree how to clean the room so they decided to have a kung fu battle so, so all three episodes um, are already online, but uh, then I, I said to them, let's do something D&D, what you want to, you guys want to, because my 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 son is a big fan of X, uh, XP to level three. Uh, <laughs> he watched your show a lot. <laughs> and he, he, he likes to make jokes with, you know, like a crazy wizard with a fireball and that type of thing. And he said, he wants to do an episode with him DMing, and then also him and his sister play different players. And then they want to put a, together a small session. Each session, they must come up with a, uh, with an interesting uh, engagement. And also maybe ending a little bit uh, stop motion, uh, stop motion pieces with the miniatures. 
So that was the plan that they have. But obviously, whether they can deliver it or not, uh, I need to see the script because they basically write it. They, they draw their storyboard. Uh, they use the storyboard to draw their um, script by themselves. So I, I need to see the script and then I'll tell them whether we can work it out together or not. So from my side, I'm more playing a supporting role, just based on story. I help them to shoot with my cell phone and then I edit very, very quickly and put it online. And uh, if you guys are interested, please do check it out. That is amazing. And they come to you, the plans already in, in mind. They're, they, they're like, this is the year we're going to present it. They put it before you. They get this whole presentation. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And they're making storyboards. They're writing scripts. Uh, and and uh, I, I imagine you were just uh, just blown away by it, just uh, amazed uh, at their at their preparation, their planning, and their uh, their ingenuity. To to be honest, I after I said yes, I just feel uh, and after I said yes, when they put all these papers in front of me, I just feel I was tricked. <laughs> I just honestly, I just feel I got myself into something very unnecessary, you know. <laughs> That is fantastic. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, Andy, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing yeah, your welcome. journey with us and uh, your family. Uh, just amazing stuff. We're going to check out Dabbing Sausages on YouTube. And uh, we look forward to all the great things coming out of your home there in South Africa. Uh, Andy, thank you again. Thank you, Nick. Really, really appreciate for the opportunity to share my story with everybody.